Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name is Zach, and this week I'm joined by the regular crew. We've got Mark and Logan. Gentlemen, how are you today in the studio? I know the studio is hot today, <laughs> but it's hot outside. It's July. It'll do that. Yes. I mean, you say that now, but in my state, July could also have snow. Randomly. Not fair. Because, you know, nothing actually makes sense anymore. <laughs> Good point. Good point. But hey, it just means it's a hot time in the old studio today. Indeed. Hot times make for good episodes. That's what mm. they say, right? Yep. Yes. It's crew who sweats <laughs> together smells together. I don't, mm, <laughs> um, There's that. Something. We try to not focus on the smell, but yeah, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> That's why we do audio only and not scratch and sniff on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, those scratch and sniff podcasts yeah, are all yeah, the rage you, nowadays. You want to avoid those, usually. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Today we're gonna have a regular old talk show that is never regular or old. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Mark brought a topic to us, which we'll get to at some point in time. <laughs> but before we get there, we're gonna start off with a segment that I personally love, and that is RPG Reflection. In RPG Reflection, we talk about a game we played recently, and in this particular case, it's a game we played off of the air called The Score. Hmm. Another one that Yes. Mark brought to score. us. That was, that yeah. 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 Another one that Mark brought to us here is the score that, you know, we just literally played. Like we just we just played it. Yeah. We're gonna reflect on literally. it right now because we just played it minutes I, ago. I'd have to do this on the air sometime too. This was this was fun. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was. It was really quick to get together. Mm-hmm. There's no real kind of character creation. Uh I mean, minor, you might yeah. say, but yeah. It's uh it's really nice. Mark, do you want to give us a slight overview of the game? Sure. It's a, you know, it's a very simplistic kind of thing, but uh, it's kind of a it's really a card game, card role-playing game, I guess, storytelling game. And it's something you throw together, uh, there's there's no real GM or uh, plan, planning. You just kind of sit down and and play it. The premise is you're some sort of group that's going on some sort of heist you start by drawing cards and that kind of helps you choose what you're stealing and where you're stealing it from once you have that you can start deciding what kind of group you are are you thieves are you spies are you a group of old men at the at the old folks home who are going out for one last thrill you know you can you know, create whatever kind of scenario you want. This is really very much just a, a preformed storytelling type of game. 
But once you have that... Reform indeed. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Character creation then comes out with... You have, you have uh, 18 cards. And 12 of those are dealt out to however many players you have. And those determine the skills of your character. Because each card has a skill on it. And then through the course of play... Those, those, once, you, once you have those skills, those cards are taken back, shuffled into the deck, and that means you have 12 cards with skills that you have, and 6 cards of skills you don't have. Mm -hmm. And then as you start playing, you draw cards, and either you have the skill or you don't. I should also point out that there are different acts that kind of break up the story and kind of help give you some pacing so you're not accomplishing everything right away you kind of know you have five acts to to uh get to before you finish the the heist but each act kind of flip-flops whether things are going your way or not going your way and you see if you have the skill or if you don't and that determines what you tell the story and whoever whoever's turn it is based on who has the skill just basically tells the story of your heist and whatever they add to the story becomes canon and builds on for the next for the next player or the next piece of the story yeah because it's like each act you you're one at a time dealing out the cards from the deck mm -hmm. down on the table here you know you have five, five in one scene three in one scene four in one you know whatever mm -hmm. however many for each and you're just going through to see what happens. It's just like playing out in front of you on the table, which is really neat. Right. The uh, guide, too, for the game is right there in front of you with how we played it in Roll20 and I think how it's set up for, you know, just playing in person. It's right there in front of you, so in some ways, you don't even have to really know how the game works. It'll literally walk you through it. It does. Um, it's very simplistic. So, yeah, like, prep is non-existent, uh, and it's just easy to follow what's happening. Yeah, I should mention this was uh, this was actually a Kickstarter by uh, Tin Star Games, and mm. they they're putting together an actual physical deck. I don't think the physical stuff is out yet, but they did. Uh, there's also a uh, module on uh, Roll Twenty that you can uh, purchase and, and use and download, and that has everything you need to play online, which is the way we've we've just played it. But yeah, it's, you know, like you say, everything is right there. It's right in front of you. It's The rules are, are pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of complication to the rules. It's just a matter of uh, figuring out what story you're going to tell with them. Yeah. It was really neat. It it probably took us 45 minutes. Yeah. And this is finish. It. And you guys had never, never seen this game before you never. you know that's this was never. learning the game sat down from from zero to a full game yeah in full like and completed minutes. game yep yeah kind of expe expedient game we were just kind of stumbling through it just to, a little bit uh to kind of get the idea of it yeah we we could have leaned more into the role play or more of the story okay. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. we yeah. could we could take this on for an hour and a half i'm sure true true what did you guys think? What uh, what were your first impressions? I think it was a good brain bender. I think this would be a great way to warm up or like fill in gaps if you're waiting for you know somebody to show mm. up or whatever. Uh, in it with a role play game, like huh. you got a regular campaign or whatever. 
I uh, couldn't see really running this as any sort of regular campaign, but it was very fun. It was a very uh, low uh, barrier to entry as far as people's need to understand or have to purchase much to get into it. And it was True. just neat, just like kind of even for us who are, you know, well-seasoned role players and mm-hmm. GMs and whatnot, <laughs> the way they had you explain things was was neat because it, it bent my brain a little bit. So like in the first, like each act has a like good or bad. So first act was how are things going well? Second act is how are things kind of turned upside down? And so like that mm-hmm. switched how some of the cards played. And then if you didn't have the skill that was on the card that was flipped, um, you had to explain like how that didn't apply in a situation. And I'm so used to like narrating how things do apply, like how, how to, to mm-hmm. twist and explain how you can use that skill in this setting. And this is, this was different. Uh, yeah. So that was just nice just to, you know, kind of bend the brain and, and, and work those muscles. True. I, I think it might be a tiny bit strange the way they have it. Like the whole act is the same result. So like absolutely everything goes bad or everything goes good. Yeah, I can see. Mm. But it flip-flops um, back and forth between them. So you have... It does, yeah. It's true. And yeah. you, so, to be fair, Zach, you got screwed. Well, yeah. like, <laughs> the, the only time that your cards came up is when it was a bad act situation. So Yeah, that's you know. true. <laughs> that's a good point. To be fair, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, I, you, I got the uh, the bad hand, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of my cards came in Act 2 and 4, so I yeah. had to describe all of how everything went bad. Mm-hmm. But, My but, agent sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but really, this is this is a game about the story. So I mean, you, okay, yeah, you yeah. have you have quote unquote bad hands, but you're telling this really fun. You know, that's the comic relief part of all the bad stuff. Oh, it was so fun. I, I didn't mean, I didn't hate playing at, at all. So. I mean, if you're if you're playing this just for the the win or lose, it really all comes down to the last card. The last yeah. card is either you win or you yeah. lose, and you, you could just play the one card and you know go home. But where's the fun in that? The whole fun is this building the story of the, yeah. the events. It very much is that story too that build up into it, you know, because it is being it is such a narrative game. You know, you're given a one word prompt, reversing, yeah, demolition, yeah, hand to hand, you know, whatever. Like it's or very close simple. Combat, yeah. Close combat. Yeah, that's right. It's very simple. So you know, uh, like the the cave of the dark side in Empire Strikes Back, you only have in this game what you bring <laughs> with you. You've, you've got to kind of be willing to play with it and, and lean into it to make it fun. Like many roleplay games. Yeah. True. Very, very true. I would be interested to see a game in a different genre. Mm. Like, yeah. that, it's like this. Uh, just to see how it works with other genres in this, in this very storytelling style game well and even yeah. like the the point of our game or the, the the focus was by the cards to draw what that story is so we drew some cards mm-hmm. and between the three cards we chose uh two things the uh what we're trying to get and this the it where we're trying to get it from basically the location right yeah. so mm-hmm. for ours it was billion dollars uh from a skyscraper so that very much focused it and since it was skyscraper it was much easier to go modern and like billion dollars also modern totally fits for that um, mm-hmm. If it had said like a million dollars, I'd be like, "Cool, it's the 1920s." Uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, uh. Well, no, no, no. The problem with this is, it's not a real. This game is not real versatile in terms of that because some of the skills are like hacking and electronics, mm. and you know, working those into 
something, you know, something that's more period, it's going to be a little problematic. But there's within that you can do a lot of stuff. You know, like I say, you can do you can do something spy oriented and have I, you, you could know, do something medieval pretty that, easy with that. Um, it's hacking. I have an axe. We can hack. Uh, electronics True. clearly <laughs> sorcery. Yes, yes. <laughs> electronics clearly. You could. That's true. Uh, you know, as long as you did the, you know, the homework of of translating each card into the the era. Yeah, sure. definitely yeah. you could. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and but like I say, you can you can choose what your even within modern day is a pretty well pretty wide range of how you guys how how what kind of group you're putting together. There are also some expanded rules that have some different uh, different subtle twists. If you wanted to play something like Leverage, there's rules for that. Or Mission Impossible, oh. there's rules for that. Okay, um, there, are cool. so, there is a solo mode that I have played. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, there are, there are some different modes that help you with that. Um, so yeah, there, there's, there's some variety here. And uh, there again, I think I mentioned there's a nut, there's a uh, expansion deck with a whole bunch of other skills. So if you so if you keep coming up with the same skills, you can kind of shuffle that in and start working in some different skills to some keep new skills. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's really cool. Is it like you re- you replace some cards because you still have the, the... yes. X amount of cards at the end. Yes, the, you always want you always want a, a deck of eighteen, but what which cards you use are totally uh, open and, and up for interpretation. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in playing this again. Cool. Uh, maybe seeing seeing what all we can do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a uh, kind of like you said, kind of nice. Maybe if uh, we don't have anything planned or. We just want to play something really, really quick and easy. Exactly, exactly. It's a great uh, just pick me up kind of thing to just grab the grab the cards, jump in, and do it on the fly. And I can totally see playing time. multiple yeah. games back to back because I was like, "Let's do again. Let's go." You know, true. Yeah, we could have easily, yeah. instead of recording this episode, <laughs> played again. So you better appreciate this audience because yeah, you know, feel guilty. We could be. Hey, hey, Mark! I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you to back, back off of the audio for a little bit. Uh, we got a few complaints that some people thought you were a bit aggressive. Uh, in well, the last okay, episode. I'll, I'll get back on my medication. I promise. Well, that being said, <laughs> that's it for this segment of RPG Reflection. Okay, take a breath, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into the main topic here. Mark, what what do you got for us today? Well, uh, just a kind of a question, I guess. Like questions that popped up. What what gives a game its theme or its flavor? And and I'll tell you what kind of inspired this specifically. I've been playing uh, Starforged, which I know we've talked about on the game on the show quite a bit. And Starforged is a solo game, solo sci-fi game based on Iron Sworn. Great game, worth looking up. But lately, I've 
been kind of reluctant to to pick it up because I've I was looking for something lighter and and a little bit more you know not as not as dark and heavy. But I kind of realized lighter in theme, in theme, in atmosphere, not you know. necessarily like in rule set. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, but because this is solo, why do I feel that I can't play a lighter version of this game? Why do I feel tied to the the theme of this setting? And I was just kind of curious, kind of your thoughts. You know, of course, you know, we've all had games with players that, you know, have different views of themes and that changes things. You know, I've no, you know, we've probably all kind of tweaked themes in games. Mm-hmm. But what, 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 what are your feelings? Do you ever feel like a game has a, has a theme that, that is that locks into what you're playing? Well, I mean. Specifically for Starforged, I think there is a heavy emphasis, you know, it being a solo game to give you a a clear feeling and a clear theme and a clear storyline, not storyline specifically, but like plot and setting, Mm -hmm. set up your story. Background and yeah. And so, you know, if if you you guys haven't looked at Starforged, even if you're not a solo RPG person, I think you can take a lot from it because there's some beautiful, beautiful art in there. Some mm-hmm. beautiful setting, you know, descriptions and whatnot. It's it's a well put together role play game book, and so because there is such a heavy theme built into it in the writing, in the things that are are presented in the book, I think it is harder to pull away from that because that captivates. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of tough because you know, yeah, you have a point there, Mark, with with a game where you have a lot of people around the table, the GM comes up with a story, but it's all interpreted by everyone differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with the whole collaborative storytelling, uh, it, it gives all of the creative energy of all of the brains versus the one brain. I'm not discounting a singular person's imagination, but true. In certain moments, you know, I've noticed I fall into similar tropes when I run games. That's fair. Because that's my individual flavor. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 interesting. It's another reason I don't I personally don't solo game is because I don't necessarily enjoy the singular brain creativity. It becomes samey same for you. I'm, yeah, it be, it would it would be me doing the exact same thing over and over. <laughs> Fair, yeah, yeah, and being like, wait, well, didn't I? No, I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> I think I think there is a lot of that too, whether it's a solo play game or with multiple people or whatever else not where uh any role play game that's put together well is gonna have the themes showing through in every part of the game whether that's the character sheet or the the book or uh the name of skills some even go so far as to to have different you know styles of randomizers or dice or whatever else not um Mm -hmm. you know uh, we see this with like household and 
uh, outgun. outgun that's coming out where you could just use d6s it's totally fine but they also have themed dice true edge of the empire star trek or star wars game that i absolutely love same thing different dice you know so everything in that is is really guiding to help players get into that theme i would say Mm-hmm. Uh, and I experienced this uh, in my own personal roleplay career early on where I had used an earlier D20 Star Wars roleplay system to try and do a post-apocalyptic near future sort of situation where like, you know, high end technology had been hidden and then like, you know, kind of almost like a, a Red Dawn America gets conquered sort of thing. And I was playing with some friends or whatever. And this was this was so long ago, many, many years, like decade or more, maybe two decades, long time, feels like forever. I remember, I'd, you know, I'd spent a lot of time trying to explain the theme and like what we're going for for the the, the development. But it's I'm using, you know, this D20 Star, the Star Wars system. At one point, one of my players is like, but where are the stormtroopers? There aren't going <laughs> to be any because it's not Star Wars, but you're using Star Wars. But no, it's not Star Wars. Yeah. Where are the stormtroopers? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's I guess it's it's kind of similar to asking why would you run a Game of Thrones campaign in D&D 5th edition? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's because, like, the different games themselves, if you were thinking here on the tabletop side of things, yeah. mm-hmm. have those specific rule sets and details about the world and all that stuff because it is that thing. You know what I mean? That's a good point. <laughs> Not to beat Tolkien's, a dead horse, Tolkien but, like... Enough mechanics help gameplay like it yeah yeah they really do tolkien is another example of doing real tolkien is different than just using the D yeah. set um you know there's a there's a different flavor there um, i mean tolkien being like the grandfather of modern fantasy and progenitor of a lot of what we <laughs> yeah. we assume to be normal high fantasy if you were to play in the same style and theme it would never be high fantasy it would be a low fantasy setting yeah, because of the lack of yeah. power and yeah. magic that's around. Yeah, interestingly, it, it evolved from that, but yeah. then to go back to it, you know, yeah. it, it has become a different thing. It is. Yeah, yeah. very much so. A game I thought of as an example of this is uh, Paranoia. Oh, you know, yeah. That is a game that I think has so much of that Catch-22 worked into it that it's very easy to... to latch on to the theme of that for anybody playing it based on what's going on with your characters and what's mm-hmm. going, you know, how it, how integrated it, it all is. You, you said earlier you, you were looking for something lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, is it the fact that you enjoy the, like the gameplay of Starforged, but not necessarily how dark the setting is? Yeah. That's kind of, Kind of what I was going for, uh, you know. Starforge has such a great solo mechanic, and everything, you know, has very clear goals and structure. As opposed to playing something else, you quite often have to add on a uh, a GM emulator in addition to uh, what you're right. Playing. And you know, Starforged, like I say, it it comes from uh, Ironsworn, which is very similar. You know, and it, it has a similar kind of. Uh, uh, you know, in that case, kind of a dark North mythology mm. theme as opposed to the sci-fi theme of uh, yes of Starforged. 
and which um, I love Iron Sword. It's really neat. We've played yeah. it a couple times, probably True. off air. Yeah, it's very fun. You know, but both of them, you know, have that kind of dark theme, and a lot, you know, a lot of it is just playing the artwork. You know, they both have mm-hmm. beautiful books, but you know, it's kind of leans towards towards some kind of dark imagery, and but but in those you set your own goals, you set your story, so. You know, just it just kind of struck me as odd that I felt tied to that. So, do the cards in the game, you know, kind of pull back to you know the different randomizers and Oracle and whatnot that you use in the game pull back to mm. a darker, heavier theme? You know, is is it a constant fear of uh, maybe death or or something bad happening to your character that's maybe a little heavier than what you want? What is it that keeps pulling you back in? Because I'm trying to think about it, if I was to do like a Star Forge game. But let's say mm-hmm. it's just, a, you know, something more like I'm escorting, you know, uh, I'm doing like a Deep Space Nine situation, you know, whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like a, a fun mm-hmm. investigation throughout a space station. I don't know if that would actually work in that because I feel like there's so much what? about it that's exploration and and kind of you're out there on your own trying to survive and, and help humanity survive. That's very it, it much. Can. OK, one of the one of the, I think, real inspirations for, for Starforged is Firefly. I think that mm-hmm. is a very th- and I wouldn't think of Firefly as as heavy or dark. Um I mean there are there are some moments. There are. There are there are moments there are. obviously. Yes, of course. You know, it's it's not a wacky comedy either, but it's you know, there is range there that uh I just find it interesting. You know, the other side of that, you know, like I say I'm feeling kind of locked into this. Then the other side is, you know, so take take games uh franchise games. Star Star Wars, great example. You know, you get all these different views of what Star Wars is. I had a player tell me that Star Wars is just about killing things. And I was like, <laughs> I can't possibly see that as where that would come from, but okay. So people can take something that, to me, seems like a pretty straightforward thematic genre and bring something totally different to it. Okay, so the original topic here is like, where does a theme come from? You know, what yeah. really influences the game? But like, my question would be is, how can you twist a theme? Can you twist a theme and mm. actually truly depart from it? You could. My, my follow up question. Um, yeah. Because it's like, you know, we talked about how much, you know, Star Forge is pushing you a certain way. We all have a certain view of how like Star Wars has a certain view on things, but that could be twisted. Could, could you think about realigning? you know, your experiences with a game, resetting them and try and come back to it with a different view. Would that, would that even be possible? Well, I get another, another example that, you know, and I, I don't want this to, to come off sounding negative because I don't think it's negative. It's doing exactly this. We've been playing Sambarum recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sambarum, you know, is presented as this kind of dark, horror gritty type of world uh, yeah. um and then we've added zoe <laughs> yeah. who's who's come in here and she's playing harpo marks yeah <laughs> and it's you know it, it's energetic it's it's fun it's you know but that is not at all what i what i was expecting from you know and i i like it i like it great it's it's fantastic it's fun it's you know i i'm not a big fan of the horror thing anyway so for me it's I'm loving the interaction, but it's, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like 
it's sticking to or even kind of coming from what I feel maybe locked into from the world, the imagery, the other stuff. Now, here's a thing that I do when I'm running a game. Mm -hmm. When I want to run a game, basically what I do is I grab themes from games that I like. Mm -hmm. uh, And I stick closer to those things and farther away from the things that they give you that you don't like. (laughs) (laughs) So whether that's like implementing or not implementing certain rules that send you certain directions thematically, mm-hmm. where, where that like in, in Simbarum's case, really heavy corruption, there's mm. so much death, blight, all this really heavy stuff that I'm not necessarily like focusing on the big part of. Okay. But it's still there in the game, in the world, in the whatever. Yeah. I'm just not highlighting that in the story. So, so it's like, yeah. Try, I guess, telling the world story from a different point of view. And this is a, a more lighthearted, small, new party feeling. It, it's more about the characters and what they do during mm-hmm. their days and less about all the shit that's going on in the rest of this place. You're seeing a little bit of it, like with sure. the blight beasts breaking into town and them having to get them out of there and seeing the corruption with the cultists and stuff like that. Every time my character tries to do magic. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This, these temporary stigmas, but it's all that much lighter, yeah. dark stuff. <laughs> okay. You know, again, sticking with this, this Sambarum, I think it's kind of an interesting choice. When we first reviewed it, I mentioned, you know, the, the world setting and the, the artwork, again, is, is beautiful and, and very indicative of a very specific theme. Yeah, very but the rules, didn't seem, the rules didn't seem like they tied you to that as much as maybe some other games. Hmm. Well, it, it, it kind of does. So in, in the sense of magic users, sure. like with Logan's yeah. character, Every time you do the thing you're good at, the world lashes back at you. Good point. But if we had no magic users, we didn't have to have magic users. The only time we'd really run into yeah, that's it fair. That's fair. is when we're fighting yeah. a blight monster thingy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But or a corrupted person, or you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but you, but you're thinking you're saying you know game masters have a lot of input in terms of guiding a theme and maybe. I mean, everyone at the table does. Yeah. Um, I, I get, you know, it, well, in this party's sense, it is a lot lighthearted. It's slightly comedic because mm-hmm. we have Zoe playing a very funny character. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of, um, I guess the game is the vibe of the entire party. You know? I think sure. some of that too, sure. you know, when you are solo playing, you are pulling so much from what you have before you to play the game. As opposed to like when mm. I'm running a game, I feel like I'm trying to build to match the party that I have around and I'm trying to make Ooh. make it interesting for my players. Yeah. And if I'm just going to solo yeah. play, I'm just going to play the game. And like if the game's shown it a certain way, well, then I guess that's the game I'm playing. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm different on that. Yeah. But yes. like I feel like if I'm going to solo play, I just want to jump in and play. I don't want to sit there and prep 
for myself for a couple hours before I play. Like that just right does not mm-hmm. seem interesting. That's that's fair. That's a good point. A, a question I have here is uh, how much of that theme is tied in with that oracle, and mm-hmm. if it is, can you use an oracle from a different game? Oh, mm. true. That that might help you go in a different style direction. A mix and match, huh? Not a bad idea. A little mix and match. So like if if you lo- if you like the system and parts of the system, you can use those parts and kind of yeah, mix and match. True. What you like from other game systems in there. Mhm. It's a good point. I mean, always, you know, what the system is for also has an impact. We talked about that, you know, D&D has a heavy yeah. imp- influence on monster stats and fighting and whatever else not, so you're going to be fighting monsters. It doesn't have a heavy right. influence mm-hmm. on, you know, intrigue. So, again, Game of Thrones, you're both mostly going to have to make it up yourself. So it doesn't help with that theme. Now, you can make that happen, and that that's where the, I think that... Okay, so I think we have two levels of theme where the mm-hmm. party, the group, everybody you're playing with at the table is one part of the theme, and I would call that secondary theme. It's the the post influence, people's own biases and interests and whatnot. Not saying those are bad. Just you know, it's not bad to have a sure. bias. It's bad when you don't admit you have a bias. Right. Mm-hmm. So those biases have uh, have an effect upon how they view things, what sort of game they're playing, what they want to play, that sort of stuff. That's secondary theme. But primary theme, I think, is from the game itself, from what it offers you, what tools it gives you to play. Because, yeah. because I mean, you know, if if we had as many rules for intrigue and conversational cues as we do spells in D anD D, well, that's a that's a <laughs> lot of focus. That's a very different thing. He just dr- sipped his drink before the king. What does that mean? <laughs> Holy crap! Uh-huh. You know that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know that those those sorts yeah. of levels of impact would actually be highlighted. And the only reason you're going to see that sort of level of intrigue in a game is because everybody there has read as much as they possibly can of Pride and Prejudice or you know, uh, any of those sorts yeah. of, you know, period pieces that have a heavy amount of intrigue and, and that mindset that's not supported in the gameplay. That kind of reminds me a bit of the James Bond role playing. Oh, game yeah. Too. That has a very specific group of rules for interaction, charisma, seduction, yeah. interrogation. Also, uh, chase rules mm-hmm. are very prominent. So that's going to kind of push you towards those kind of actions. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and if you don't, like, I remember the first time I saw 7C First Edition, and there was a whole Mm. section on doing chases in there, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. I had never thought about there being, like, a sequence for chases. Honestly, it's like we get, you get dug in for combat, and you just do combat sort of thing. It's like, no, this guy splits and runs. And he's got the golden statue. Like, what are you going to (laughs) do? I guess I run after well, him. I uh, cool. run after well, him. He, yeah, he's got a head start on you, so he's this many lengths ahead. And he just hit a cart to roll it in front of your path. He just like cut the straps on it, and so it rolls away from the horses that are pulling it. What do you do yeah. with that? You know, and like, how do you get around it? So like that, yeah, that just having that as an option in there totally opened my brain up. You know, that was forever mm. ago. So yeah. adding mechanics sometimes can feel just superfluous or you know uh unneedfully bulky if you already have a plan in your head but if you don't like they're really helpful and sometimes even if you have a plan in your head you don't want it to be the same old same like give me something new 
having the mechanic there to help with that really helps. Really good point. Helps. Very, very good point. What questions did we not answer, Mark? What are, where, are we, where are we standing? I think we've, we've kind of covered some bases here. It's, well, okay, how do you, and I know the, the magic answer is always the session zero solves all problems <laughs> of everything, but how do you get... There's never a, there's never a perfect answer. No, there's not. Mark. But uh, the other side of this is how do you get a, a group together in a theme? That is you know, a whole lot more art than science, I would say. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think the easy way to say that is session zero is only the beginning. And mm -hmm. I will constantly try to remind people of things we talked about in session zero, bring back themes that were brought up. Hey, so we mentioned that we're really going to focus on sneaking through. And like last time we, you know, mm -hmm. had a big fight. Uh, so, you know, there's some alarms going off. Are we still trying to sneak through? Are we changing the theme here? Like, this is the intent for this is to be more of a sneak thing. Is that, are we still all interested in that? And just try and do some sort of yeah. touch point where everybody can, mm -hmm. can, you know, come back and revisit it. You know, those session zero things shouldn't be set in stone. Um, certain parts of it probably should be, or at least be very well noted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and be careful. You know, if somebody has a, an issue with some certain theme, you probably shouldn't go there with that theme ever so like but but bringing that up again and be like <laughs> hey so we're gonna go into you know this uh you guys are sneaking into an area and at where i let it left it off is you saw like a pool of blood and a torture chair don't worry we're not gonna go into a torture scene this is one of the things we had oh, as yeah. theme previously but i do want to give that weight of how bad this guy is and so just like kind of a, a right. meta moment pulling out from the story and explaining, you know, what we're going into so everybody can also feel safe. Like, you're constantly touching back on those moments, I think. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. It makes me think to when I'm wanting to run a game, mm. if I write down all of the themes that I think I can run, and then I give that to my players and go, what ones of these do you want? And we just put them in a big old pile and just pull them out. And we can do all these scenes during this campaign. Hmm. And that's, that's the theme. Interesting. <laughs> I don't think a theme's always a singular thing either. Okay. Oh, never. So yeah. I'm, like, you know, I'm going to jump this back uh, on you a little bit. I like that. You've got this whole, like, these are my themes and this is what I'm doing. Or if you do, like, a preview, like, hey, here are, like, the five different campaigns and you all chose one. Cool. So that, that campaign idea has this theme to it has this theme what happens when they never yeah. go towards that theme what happens when they wh wh how do you get people refocused not just like re-talking about yeah. you know the theme but like how how much do you try and force that theme and how much do you say well from their actions they're choosing a different direction so i have to adjust if it gets to a point where i'm not enjoying it mm. which i don't think i'll ever be there <laughs> like i'm gonna put a story in front of my players and watch them do whatever the hell they want with it. Yeah, I think you're more uh, more easygoing with that. I think Mark and I both had moments <laughs> where we're like not so happy with how things are going or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, and I think I think all all of it comes down to what kind of players they are. And mm -hmm. if if you got some good players around you, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun either way. <laughs> yeah, that makes a big difference, um, definitely. But like, if if you're okay with it and they're sticking to a new different theme and it's that that theme that they're doing now just make it that theme <laughs> yeah, sure. i mean i'm cool with with 
changing things up because I'm not the kind of GM at this point in my life where I have these huge campaigns written and uh, everything's prepared. No, I'm going to write this week for the session next week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Zach, I think I think you just you just won this episode. I think you have exactly the the thing that we need to learn from here. <laughs> you were talking about not wanting to solo because you're so kind of locked into your own routines, but you're taking your players' directions and going mm. with whatever direction. And and I think it's important to remember that as the GM, you're role playing too. You mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you should be reacting to you know, the stuff that's going on here and, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of going in that direction too and learning and, and growing and, and going with that flow. And I think that's a, that's a great way of, of approaching things. GMs are players too. Cause I'm not like a super like seasoned GM. I'm not like 30, 40 years, you know, whatever. I, I haven't run that many lengthy campaigns. Mm. But, yeah, you know, I'm still learning things as I go to. And mm-hmm. a good example of this is on a recent session of my my seventh C off air game, th- there was there was a a player that, you know, saw a situation where they got hurt and they found uh, healing on a ship mm. at the docks. And they saw the opportunity that this cruise captain has been missing for weeks. Uh, they, there is um, basically bare bones on the ship as far as crew, supplies, etc. And they just scooped up the ship and went, we have a ship now. Hmm. They just, you know, I, and when they, they brought that up during gameplay, it was like, Awesome. I I saw that as this is what that player wants to do, so I'm not gonna stop him from doing it. Mm. Yeah, and that's why I love role play. That's awesome. Key yeah. reminder, kids: you are the if you are the narrator, you are also a player too. True. Yeah. True. True. I I think it's it's just finding that balance of telling your story with telling your player's story. Mm. Yes. And in, in the sense of solo uh, gaming, it's all kind of about what, what story you want to make at the end of the day. Yeah. At, at, at that point, I might recommend researching some different games mm. that have solo adaptations of it and uh, playing around with some of that. Mm-hmm. Because even though you love the whatever you love about it, <laughs> it maybe it's just drawing you away from what you want while you're gaming, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, and and the, <laughs> yeah, it does. And and you know, I I have a variety of, of games that I do rotate through, and a lot right. of it, you know, it might just be you know some game fatigue too. Um, mm. You know, we've all experienced yeah. that, and just you know wanting that change of scenery um yeah. you know maybe maybe Swap it's as it up. that so yeah that that's always a, a bonus okay so we got you know mark's got you know a desire for different games so maybe he'll make a, a starforge hack 
that's different. Uh, maybe you know we'll <laughs> yeah. find ways to take the the solo play and add it to another game that you really enjoy. Who knows? Uh, you know, sure. keep your eyes peeled here for you know um, <laughs> any Mark Mecca's machinations. That is definitely true. Mark's always coming up with something new. Yeah, yeah, thinking about it. <laughs> any other things you want to talk about, gentlemen? We got a little bit of time. Um, you, want my, you want to go to my topic? I've I've been hiding a topic we, over here for a little bit of a little we, bit of time. We can sure. we can uh, kind of dip our toe in that. Yeah, talk about it a little bit. I know. I definitely know we want to do a full episode about mm-hmm. this topic but we can just talk about it a little bit and then we'll talk about it later yeah yeah in this specific case i saw something recently that i've seen a few times roaming around the internet mm-hmm. uh it is called uh role play rev r-e-v um and it's a it's a site um, desktop browser, blah, 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 whatever, where you can write out a, uh, a theme or a topic. Hey, this is, uh, relevant still. <laughs> it is. You can write it out and an AI will create a full D and D fifth edition adventure based on what you wrote. Wow. It'll give you like monster encounters and, uh, story points and all that stuff. Just for fun, I wrote in there, um, you know, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Hmm. And it legitimately takes whatever you gave them and fleshes it out. I, I encourage you all right now, we have a minute. Go ahead, uh, open. It's in, the, it's in our little topics. Uh, just go up just a tiny bit. Oh. Roleplayrev.com, y'all. Create a D and D adventure about anything. Uh, it also has a random button, so if you don't have any ideas of what to put in there, um, it, it'll just make make a random one for you. But it takes a little bit of time. It will kind of do a couple things. Um, you can also edit the little prompt that it gives you if you want to change mm-hmm. any elements, um, like. Um, in Fellowship of the Ring, maybe it's uh, it's a, a bagel instead. You want to change that? Thing. <laughs> Boom! It's a it's a, a golden bagel that huh. you need to go and dump into the fires of Mount Doom. Hey, hey, Fellowship <laughs> of the Bagel. <laughs> Where's the lox and green cheese? Oy vey. <laughs> um, but you can also put like a level cap and a party size, hmm. um, or a starting level. You know. Boom, you're level, level one. <laughs> you wow. could even have it create player characters for you. Wow. Huh. Yep, absolutely. And it, it does your battle maps for you, too, even? Yeah. It should, absolutely, yeah. Wow. Amazing. So maybe this is what you need for your solo play. Maybe you need a couple yeah. characters to play with. <laughs> good, good. Well, uh, Zach, do you remember a while back we played with that uh, AI dungeon? That AI dungeon. Yeah. yeah. That was another t- thing that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. This just kind of seems like a better version of that, right? But mm. it's not actually running you through the game. This, it's just making yeah. the adventure. This is still re- relying on a, a GM taking it and interpreting it for the players. So, yeah, sure. there, there's some, yes. some nice niceness here. But, uh, 
yeah, we we played with the thing a, an AI dungeon, which was really kind of a it was almost an interactive storytelling with AI. So you would you would write part of the story, then it would write part of the story, and you know I think we did uh, you know, cooperative, so it would like be a three way creation, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I believe cool. so. It, we or or we just did it. I don't quite remember. It was a long yeah, time ago. It was. There's been a lot in my brain since then. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of, you you would text-based game style, so you would type in what right. you wanted to say, what you right. wanted to do, stuff like that, and then it would shoot prompts back at you. Yeah, exactly. This is this is more tied to a specific uh, game mechanic, of course. The, the role-play rev. Yeah. It's much more and, specific kind of more like it, it'll it'll write your story for you kind of kind of idea it takes a while to load because it basically makes everything for you yeah um, wow but it's just a really interesting concept that you can just put a prompt in and it will write a story for you Sure. So don't worry. It's really not taking wild. your job. AI might take other jobs, but you still have to do <laughs> yeah. work with this AI. It won't take your DM job. True. Uh, maybe if you feel like you're not a very creative GM, this might help you get some more ideas. Uh, or, yeah, and, and I believe, too, with like how you put that. the themes in there and stuff, you can probably even just like, you know, use it to, you know, okay, I'm all my players are at X level and I'm just kind of stuck here in an avalanche. What do I do? You know? Mm. Yeah, and and so that can just help yeah. push you out of it. You, nothing says you have to keep exactly what they put here. This is just to inspire you. True. Um, Absolutely. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not I'm gonna admit I'm not gonna hide it. I have definitely used our friend Chat GPT yeah. to <laughs> it, it, ideas for adventures. Why not? When you, when you have writer's block, it's it's really nice just to get a few quick ideas. Mm-hmm. Um. Some of them might not be helpful because it's sure. early AI right now. Uh-huh. And, uh, but it's also constantly, but, you know, helps. being added to and, and growing in, in a fashion. AI is not new in the world. It's just become highlighted recently, you know, for how it's, it's expanding in its use. Yeah. But the function that we're using it for in this situation also is exceedingly not new. How, how many uh, writer's block decks have you seen? Hmm. Here's a deck of cards to help you get through writer's block. Here's a set of yeah. prompts to help you get through writer's block. And that's the same sort of thing. It's just not as randomized. It's not something where you can, sure. you have to read through each one and see if something sparks you as opposed to, you know, I'm going to put in, this is where I'm at. Give me something, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just another yeah. tool. Yeah. Any of the, the GM uh, oracles, you know, yep. Starforged or mythic are, are basically versions of this. This is just kind of a, a another layer of that. Uh, I know a lot of uh, solo GMing is now, or solo gaming is turning to AI for for prompts, mm. uh, yeah. in place of of some of the uh, oracles. So yeah, it's a total different way of of doing some of the same stuff. Another big use of it all over the place is for artwork. Yes, people are using uh, AI for for character art or landscape art, even battle maps, um, you know, is, is a way of, of doing it. And, you know, that has been kind of coming up a lot, you know, as a someone with an illustration degree, that is something that, you know, got some people kind of uh, concerned about. 
I think for gaming, it's not an issue because you're not going to go out and pay an artist to do a character portrait usually anyway. So right, you're some not really. Do. You know, some people do. Some people do. Some people agree. do. Some people do. And I'm some, not going to discount it. And but. some people still will, but you know, I think you know. Yeah. It, no. It's not as drastic for that. But for like uh, for you your know, my... Sunday night game, oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like you you need a you want a quick character portrait from sure your character that you just created, and you want to make Boom. sure they have uh, too many fingers. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so professionally, we actually had a bit of a talk about this because it's uh, affecting some of the finance world as well because there's so much mm-hmm. data to go through for certain things that it's just helpful mm-hmm. to have something else process that. Because sure. there's just so much. There's too much to, to deal with. Yeah. And on that same note, uh, we had someone in our marketing group who, who does different marketing stuff basically talking about how they can use AI to help with basically getting ideas to start. And so instead of spending uh-huh. hours and hours and hours throwing together, you know, their graphic design concepts, they put in a couple ideas. It pops out a couple of things. They take that. They modify it. And then they can bring that to the client to get a starting point. They never use fully whatever's mm-hmm. there, but just to throw down mm-hmm. 10 ideas on, you know, a, a, on a, a logo or something like that, just to get it going. Why not? Yeah, true. Well, I think another interesting kind of parallel, you know, going back to the art world, you know, and, and people stressing about AI doing art in place of mm-hmm. real humans is the parallel this has to when photography was invented. That was another area where artists started freaking out because no one's going to commission portraits, no one's going to do landscapes because you can just take a camera out and and get it instantly. Right. So yeah. what that did was it pushed the art world to try and do things. Well, let's see what cameras can't do, and you know pushed more modern art and created a whole different yeah. change of art. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what evolves from this, and you know what kind of. What do we find out that the AI can't do that we'll do instead? I mean, this is just innovation throughout history in general. You know, people are like, Absolutely. you shouldn't have automobiles. Mm-hmm. It scares the horses. <laughs> sure. But now sure. we don't have horse poop in piles in all the cities. And uh-huh. people who still enjoy mm-hmm. horses still have horses, but we don't have to mm-hmm. ride around them. We can, you know, travel faster across the country and whatnot. And so anytime there's a technological innovation, there's always some Luddite, some person who is scared of and, you know, resistant to change in a detrimental way. I'm not saying that all change should be immediately adapted. Be smart about it. Review it. But don't be scared of it either. Like, it has its limits. Yeah. Definitely not perfect. Very true. Absolutely not. But I think it's it's a very helpful tool. To be fair, you know, mm-hmm. how many times do you as a DM, you know, roll something behind the screen? You're like, I don't like that result. I'm going to change it. <laughs> well, that AI determinant of your I, randomizer, yeah. your dice just screwed your story. And so you're like, mm, nah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, we've talked about stuff today. Yes, we have. <laughs> it's very true. Stuff was talked about. <laughs> well, pick up that ai topic probably on the next episode if we're honest (laughs) next talk show you know and that's the thing too like let us know in the in the comments is there something Mm -hmm. about ai you've run into that you're curious about is there something that you uh you know your own experience come find us on on facebook or you know find us you know wherever you're listening and tell us your your thoughts on the ai situation or you know maybe there's something we haven't seen yet that's being used in the role play world let us know yeah Yes, and we have our new Discord community where that's a great place where you can do those things. 
we've got live reacts for our our actual plays and we've got like big general discussion sections for you know just general topics and, and other discussions i'm always up for finding some new tools to use when i'm always in writer's block mode <laughs> <laughs> true thank you gentlemen for joining me today it was fun like always we're gonna play the score more too let's, let's good let's do it let's go let's do it like right now let's okay let's go play time. the score i don't know we'll see what do the cards say <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time all right